Hi, this is Mordecai, the Millennial Jew, um, and this episode is going to be much more related to something a little more fun, um, and we're going to talk about sports this time. Um, so to start, I just want to thank all the teams who, uh, you know, who who made it clear that they're standing with the side of good in this fight. Um, they were great, and it really makes it easy to follow a team that is, you know, you feel like has your back. Um, I also want to mention that there's a couple sports that are not going to be on this, which is a discussion of the greatest of all time in all sports and in some in an individual level. The reason that a sport like cricket didn't make it is because we just don't know enough about it. I'm not saying that there aren't cricket athletes who deserve to be on. I just don't know cricket. Um, so we're going to start with the NFL. And so how we're going to do the NFL one is we are going to name the greatest offensive, defensive, and special teamer. So I am joined by Aaron Meister. And I am going to let him kick off with his NFL list. Wow, you let me start? That's pretty crazy. Okay, so my first, um, my offensive play, uh, I guess you could say my offensive GOAT is Randy Moss. How many, how many players are there in the league? How many, <laughs> how many athletes are there in the league that have a verb named after them? You know? Um, no, but besides that, I mean, no NFL player has more receiving touchdowns in their first four seasons. He had 23 touchdowns. Is the career a four-year? What? Is the career a four-year? No, but, career? but he had the best start to a career. And then and then, then on top of that, he had two, in, in, 20, in 2007, he had 23 touchdowns. No one even comes close. The only, only, <laughs> only. You better not. <laughs> only, so only Jerry Rice comes close to that. Comes 22. close. Only. In 12 games. Okay. Okay. But you play when you play. But he played half the. He played. Play, he played play. a quarter less games, and he had one less touchdown. The guy averaged two touchdowns a game, basically. You play when you play. Who had a better quarterback that year? Both had insane quarterbacks. Uh, not according to you, but we'll get to that another time. <laughs> I don't think that's all. not good. <laughs> <laughs> no, even and since then, in in, in in this in the seventeen eighteen, how many games we play era? The only person to come close to that has been Devontae Adams. That's and, and and I think the fact that Randy Moss in general, just the fact that, that there's a verb named after him and just the fact that he was when he played, he was that good. He he was just yeah. that good. The guy was insane. He, so yes, you wanna say, Oh, it could be Jared, maybe but and I, and you can't that's definitely in the honorable mention, but <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't. Um you want me to give my defensive or you wanna give your Okay, alright, fine. Let's yeah, let's do this player by player. Alright. That is kind of ridiculous. You have Randy Moss over Jerry Rice. I do. <sighs> okay. Jerry Rice is my obvious pick. And the reason Jerry Rice is my pick is because the man is so far above every other player at his position. And the only one who comes close, I love Randy Moss, was explosive. Randy Moss was not number two. Randy Moss dropped so many passes all the time, and he made some spectacular catches, and he was impossible to defend. But when you're talking about the top five receivers, for example, Larry Fitzgerald dropped 
so few passes. If Larry Fitzgerald caught every single pass that was ever thrown to him, he'd literally have 30 more catches in his career. <laughs> like, and he's number two in catches. But that doesn't make him number one. That makes him number two. Because number one leads in every single stat, every single receiving stat. The stat yards after catch was created for him. Both quarterbacks we played with, everyone thinks they're so much better than they are. I mean, Jerry Rice played that four-year stretch that Randy Moss played over a 20-year stretch. The guy was like, for 20 years, I saw him play in Oakland. He was an old man, and he made Oakland, him and Tim Brown, both 45, however old receivers they were, they were in there, they were like 40 or something. And they made Oakland one of the best offenses to ever make it to a Super Bowl. Jerry Rice has to be the greatest receiver, not even, not only ever. The fact the fact that he, you know how you know he's the best because people have to act like Randy Moss's season was just as impressive or more impressive than his when everyone knows it wasn't even close. The guy had in a twelve game season twenty two touchdowns. It took Randy Moss 16 games to do that. Okay. You, like I said, you play when you play, and, and he played, he had more games to do. Yeah, and it was harder during Jerry Rice's years. Maybe. Jerry Rice's years, you had people like Deion Sanders like shoving you at the line, like really shoving you at the line. Well, I hear you. I hear your point. Um <laughs> Are you ready for my defensive? Well, wait. Did you did you give an honorable mention on offense? Yeah, I did. I, obviously, my Jerry Rice goes is my honorable mention. Okay, I hear that. Okay, so my honorable mention actually isn't from the receivers. Um, I think that Jim Brown was so far ahead of everyone. I think that when you take the size of an average NFL player back then and the average size today, and you say how many players from back then could take hits from people the size that they are today and still be insane as a running back. Because most people, their their primes are about five years as a running back if they're lucky. And Jim Brown retired in the middle of his prime and was still considered to be a top two running back by basically everyone. Some people say Barry, but people who saw Jim Brown all say Jim Brown. The guy averaged like five yards of carry over his career. I mean, he was... It might have even been more than that, honestly. He was insane. But I, I do agree. Randy Moss is, is insane. Probably the most talented receiver to ever play. But you have to, so, you have to admit that when you watch Randy Moss play, you're like, wow, oh, that's so amazing. Yeah. So incredible. I loved watching Randy Moss play, especially like even even before before the Patriots. I enjoyed him on the Vikings. It was, right. it was insane. Him across the side from Chris Carter, and you had Randall Cunningham, then you had – him with Dante Culpepper and he like his rookie season, he would like, he would close, he would beat two men down the field without any trick moves. He would just run and he'd run faster than two people can close on you. He was, I mean, he was unstoppable. And I think that if he had the work ethic of, of Jerry Rice, he also took a year off because he just didn't want to play. (laughs) <laughs> like, you know, like Jerry Rice didn't take plays off, you know? I think that after, I mean, like the only players, now obviously Larry Fitzgerald was unreal, but 
the, the only player to come in talent wise since Randy Moss into the league is, has been Zonte Adams, and that's not even close. Well, and, that, and there's still a huge. I would I would say Calvin Johnson was was pretty close. Yeah, he's like, I mean, he just he also so retired right. early. He's so right. So like, it's like <laughs> that's a big what if. That's that's a, that's a what if. Um, you know, you can go with the, you know. You know the problem with Randy Moss. He was a bum. Well, <laughs> no, nah, I don't yeah. want to say that. But here's the problem. Look at who Larry Fitzgerald played with most of his career. Correct. He played with bums. Yeah. He played with Matt Leinart, who was great in college, but like, yeah, correct. You know, he played with Drew Stanton, another guy who was good in college. He played with a bunch of college quarterbacks and Kurt Warner, and and then he played with Carson Palmer. But I'm saying he played with a post ACL tear, Carson Palmer, yeah. and he never complained. He always just went out and did the work. And he did very well. And Randy Moss, where was he when he played with Andrew Walters in Oakland? He was nowhere to be seen. And if he didn't go to the Patriots, his career probably never would have resurrected. Okay. So Jerry Rice didn't need any of that. No, I get it. Jerry Rice in Seattle was better than Andrew than Randy Moss and Andrew Walters. And that was in the prime of his career. And Jerry Rice was forty in Seattle. Okay. That, you know, like, work ethic does count for something. For sure. For sure. And, like, people like to act like, oh, Hall of Fame is based on, oh, it's based on what you did on the field. Guess what? Work ethic might not be on the field, but it is on the field. For sure. And, you know. I mean, life and child, life and child, and like I said, Jerry Rice for sure proved prove that. Yeah. Um, I, my, so let's get into defense. My, my defensive goat is Deacon Jones. Okay, I like that. I didn't yeah. pick him, but I like it. I mean, at the end of the day, he's the greatest pass rusher, pure pass rusher. No question. To ever, ever go. In sacks were unofficial, right? Like, so we were talking they were official him. because of him. Yeah, right. So he he turned, he coined the, the term yeah. sack, right? So what was that? I had a stat written down that he he would have, in a six, in the, well, he played it, if he would have averaged up to a 16-game season, he would have been putting up 20, was it 24 sacks, um, in the season, and that's like, why, right? But that, and that, and imagine now seventeen games, yeah, right? Like that's another three, four sacks a game. But, but you play when you play, and he still averaged twenty sacks a game in the times when he in the however was it twelve games or whatever they were playing. Back so then. I just want to say it is true that you know if you played more games, he would average. You know he would get more right. theoretically, but you also have to look at. And I'm not taking anything away from him. He is, in my opinion, the greatest pass rusher of all time. But he got to the quarterback with a head slap, which he would not be. At the band because of him. Yes. But I'm saying that because you can't do that today, do we know? Like, was he the quickest? Was he the strongest? Like, would he have actually been that great of a pass rusher today? I mean, I think yes. But I think that has to get taken into account. That's why I didn't go with the pass rusher. But I do love the Deacon Jones pick. I know he's yeah. That was I mean he's but the question. Right, so he's the question like a hardcore. The, the question is head slap, right? But let's say today, T.J. Watt, J.J. Watt were able to do the head slap. How good would they be against Terrence Williams or whatever any of these big men? I don't know how well it would go. These guys are. These guys, I mean, big linemen. Linemen got big. Linemen got bigger, and defensive linemen have gotten smaller now. They're getting quicker, but but smaller. You don't have huge linemen like that anymore. You do a few, but not that's huge true. like that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, so but that's because they're defensive ends, and they're but they 
But, I mean, J.J. Watt is a bigger person than Deacon Jones okay, was. Aaron Donald with a head slap might be the might be just as dangerous as a guy like Deacon Jones. or. But Jones or, was or faster, I think. He was fast, but, but let's say, but if you allowed Aaron Donald to, according to some, was just, is, is just a flat-out yeah. master. I mean, he's, yeah. Right? He, he's effective. I happen to think he's a tad overrated, but he's, he is... I mean, he's, you can't question his when greatness. When you dive into the deeper stats of, of the game, you for sure see the effect, like the efficiency or like the effect per play. And yeah. He's just like... 100%. He's the Rudy Gobert that leads in, in like <laughs> two percentage, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like what a field goal percentage in career. Yeah. So. No, 100%. Aaron Donald is... Uh, I mean, yeah. Um, did you did you pick an honorable mention for... No, yeah, I'm going to... I have... I, I'm... I mean, I have a few, I, I, but let's, let's get your... All right, answer. so my greatest defensive player is one of the more obvious choices. Okay. Um, I would think maybe maybe not. Some people might say Lawrence Taylor. I don't happen to think that Lawrence Taylor was even the best linebacker, but I will get into that. Um, I have Deion Sanders as the greatest defender. I mean, the man was playing baseball. He was a wide receiver. He was a special teamer. And on top of that, he's the only guy who regularly had good games against Jerry Rice. The guy is, I mean, he's arguably the best cornerback, but he's not arguably certainly in the top three. The only knock against him was he wasn't a big tackler, but he almost never had to tackle because people almost never caught the ball on him. I mean... You know, he played cornerback. He wasn't a linebacker. So tack- I'm not going to say that he's not the best cornerback because he didn't tackle. Um, if someone was as good as him with coverage and they were a good tackler, fine. But I don't think there was anyone as good at coverage as Deion Sanders. Um, so that is my pick for the top defender. Um, I don't think, you know, I don't think that's too controversial. But my honorable mention is a little bit controversial. But I'm going to say, and I really wanted to put him at number one for obvious reasons. But I couldn't put him over Dion because of all the other things that Dion did at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I think that when you dominate the game for as long as this person did, 17 years, I don't think that you can say that Ray Lewis is not one of the greatest defenders, the greatest linebacker. And I know that a lot of people say that Lawrence Taylor is the greatest linebacker. But here's the big difference. Aside from the fact that Ray was a better cover man and better against the run, the only thing that Lawrence Taylor did better than Ray Lewis was rush the quarterback. Ray Lewis was a better leader, the greatest leader in sports history. Ray Lewis, 17 years to 13 years. No, for sure. It's a, it's a, it's a range that includes two Super Bowls. Lawrence Taylor had one. Ray Lewis had his career spanned to two Super Bowls over those 13 years. It wasn't like, oh, he was great at one point of his career and then he was getting carried the next time. The Ravens started that year, the second Super Bowl. They started 8-3, and three, and they did so bad once Ray Lewis got hurt, they clinched the playoffs on a loss. But they were so much ahead of everyone when Ray Lewis got hurt. And yes, Joe Flacco had an insanely great postseason. But the fire lit under the team was by Ray Lewis. There is no question. Ray Lewis with a torn tricep, made it back in eight weeks. He had 13 tackles, 17 tackles, and then like 15, I think. And then the last one was like 12. He had double digits in every single game. This was a 38-year-old with a, with one tricep working. 
I mean, to me, when you are that dominant for that long, that has to count for something. You know, it's not it's not just that he had that he was better because he played longer, like a lot of people some people say about LeBron. He was so good throughout his whole career. And I just think that, to me, that puts him over Lawrence Taylor. So, my honorable mention, first of all, obviously Ray Lewis. Let's get to that. Ray Lewis, 17 years. I mean, no matter if you want to call it bias or not, that he was, it's incredible what he did. The Super Bowl, the first Super Bowl was incredible. The second Super Bowl was probably even, the second Super Bowl was probably even more incredible because the first, the, the defense in the 2000 year was just so much better. The offense was the the offense was better in in 2012 though for sure for sure like but a lot better that was, might have been the number one defense of all time if you yeah 100 right. definitely mm-hmm. so so but once again my honorable mention same team Ed Reed just because oh now Audible, don't don't I'm not pushing off prime Sanders and I'm not pushing off and the reason why I'm bringing Ed Reed is because at the end of the day you were if you were playing the Ravens you 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 had to be like hey. You're telling your quarterback, hey, look for 20. If 20's there, 100%. Like, watch 20. 100%. Right? And 20 still got there every time. He always yep. got yeah. And he looked like the receiver Correct. every time. Every time. Like, people always ask, like, who's better, him or Troy Palomalu? And it's the most ridiculous thing. Troy Palomalu had to make these spectacular catches, which right. look great for highlights. But, but Ed Reed never had to make spectacular right. catches. He always looked like the intended receiver. Right. And it didn't matter if it was against Peyton Manning, against Tom Brady. Right. They all say that. And, and so I agree with that. Correct. So that's why. And, 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 and when, yes, when Prime Sanders lined up on the guy, yes, you just were like, all right, we're going, yeah. we're going here. Yeah. And like some some guys, yes, I get it. Right? When Prime Sanders, right? Like how, you didn't really just go Prime Sanders and, and be like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to target. We're going to target. No, like, you need, No, you just. You, you you throw on the other side of the field. Right. So. But with Ed Reed, he was on both sides of the field. But because he also was a safety. That's what I'm saying. So that's why he's my honorable mention. I'm obviously not throwing yeah. out the Sanders. Yeah. Deion Sanders. is one of the best athletes of all time, like athletic wise. So, yeah. Right. Like so. So so. Ed Reed, like yeah, he's not better. That he's not, he's but he's probably the best safety of all time. Yeah, I mean him him or him or a lot, but he's certainly the best free safety. Okay, best yeah. free safety of all time. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah. And and. And Prime Sanders, Deion Sanders, is probably the best cornerback of all time. But he also, but he was doing so much other things. Correct. So like, there's so many. Things. You're saying that Ed Reed is a better safety than Deion Sanders is a cornerback. Correct. I yeah. could hear that. I don't. I mean, I could go either way. And obviously, I'm a little biased. Although Deion Sanders also played for the Ravens, but obviously, <laughs> you know, uh, no, a couple of years, a couple of years. I think uh, he. I mean, no, he was he was fun. He he had a couple of interceptions and stuff, and he was all decent. But he was, you know, he. You know how he joined the Ravens that year? He was on vacation with Ray Lewis, and they had a bet on who would win in a race. And Dion beat Ray Lewis. And so he agreed to come out of retirement <laughs> and play with the Ravens. Pretty, Yeah, it was pretty nuts. Um, but I'm surprised because Edward was, in, was, I mean, incredible, but he wasn't the best defensive Raven. No, that's – okay, so, like, again – not even like I'm not throwing out Ray Lewis either. Obviously Ray Lewis, but like yeah. I don't want to not like we mentioned him. We mentioned yeah. Sanders. We, yeah, the one I guy you have to mention at the table when you're talking about great, defenders, great defenders of of their time of ever. You could put Ed Reed almost in any generation of football, and he would have done what he did. Yeah, 
he would have hawked the yep. ball. Yep, hundred percent. No matter where, as long even the underhand pass, he would have found it. Yep. Right. One hundred percent. So you can't like so. Yes, we're not throwing out Ray Lewis. We're not throwing out Deion Sanders. But they are mentioned. So now it's mentioned. You have to bring it into the table. Yeah. And none of the Giants, <laughs> none of the, none of the Giants fans get mad. We obviously think that Lawrence Taylor is insane. Yeah. But uh, you know, when you have one defender and you have one honorable mention, it's kind of hard because you have a lot of positions in football. It's hard enough to just do offense, defense, and special teams. Um. So My you want to start team? with special teams? So are we just? I forgot to ask you, but I ha- I mean, I wrote down, like I said, the my, my best returner is Devin Hester. That's what I wrote down for returner. So I wrote, I wrote Devin Hester. Right. I mean, that, that just speaks for a second. And my, re- yeah, my reason is, if you watched him, yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, there, there are, I mean, there's probably a few guys that were pretty much, I mean, but he, he runs away. I mean, he, he pretty much runs away with it. Um, you're talking to, I mean, I hope I know who you're talking about. Who, for, for the next yeah, well, for the kicker. Oh, my kicker is Justin Tucker. That's okay. Not, yeah, that's a, no, yeah. I was talking about returner. I, Brian Mitchell. Oh. I, I forgot to – I don't know if you know who he is. Yeah, Brian I do. Mitchell, so that's like – because, like, he's just – when you look at, like, the stat leaders, he's just like, one, two, three, or one, two, three. Is it one, two, three? Yeah, he is. Three. And that's like return average. But also – but but, but also they move, they move the kick the, – the yard right. lines up, so, right. so people return it much less. Like, I mean, a guy like Dante Hall or Josh Cribbs – were yes, these guys you were know incredible. yeah the um, numbers but they also took back a lot of kicks when other teams scoring on your defense yeah points a game yeah that's true <laughs> it does it does make a difference when you when you the, the amount of punts and the amount of, or the amount of kickoffs you're taking it does make a difference and Devin Hester still I mean I mean yeah Devin Hester that's when he yeah. that Super Bowl I thought they were gonna win honestly yeah but, me too I bet on that was uh one of the only ones I lost that decade I bet on the Bears I thought that playoff Peyton would show up. And uh, new playoff, Peyton showed up. Yeah, um, that my, and then my punt. Oh, who you guys? So I guess you have Justin Tucker as well. So yeah, I mean, I, I did Justin Tucker. I mean, I understand that people like you know want to say Vanitari sometimes right. and whatever, but the reality is, is you cannot say that because Vanitari wasn't more super. They were not in the Super Bowl because of Vanitari. Right. They had insane defenses. They had a very good coach. They cheated. They had a very well run offense. You cannot say that you know. That oh, Vanitari carried the team to the Super Bowl. Was not right. masked over, Tucker, you know. Tucker got the team to the Super Bowl. And and Tucker was Tucker just in every game he's in is better. He has two kicks over sixty yards. He's the most accurate kicker. He's the most accurate extra point ever. person for this kick ever. He in a dome, no less. Like it wasn't a kick in Denver. Like Jason Eel- and Jason Elam was great, but his sixty three yarder was in Denver. Which is a lot easier. If Justin Tucker kicked his furthest in Denver, he would hit a seventy-yarder, no question. So like, it's Justin Tucker. I mean, that's what it is. Like, I mean, Matt Stover was a very good Raven kicker, and it, it took a while for me to accept that Justin Tucker was better than him. Yeah. But like, and yeah, Matt Stover literally carried the team. Like, he was our offense. Our defense was our defense, and half of our offense. And he was the other half of the offense. And obviously, you had some levels of, of goodness from, from Shannon Sharp and Jamal Lewis, and even Dilfer, like, played somewhat well uh, during that year, which is why we started winning with him. But let's be real. He carried the team more. But yeah. Justin Tucker is just, I mean, every team in the NFL is jealous of the Ravens with that. Every year. They're like, when you're talking about kickers, talk about everyone but Justin Tucker. It's him. The the other thing about Tucker, like in, and Stover, yes, you said about Stover too. But there are games where, where especially when with the Flacco days, we're struggling. 
where Tucker would get like five field goals or four, field, five, four or five field goals and you win the game that way. Yep. That was the only points to score. And I was like, oh, the kicker just won us the game. Yeah. And it happens on other teams too. Yes, I get it. But like it happened multiple times. It happened in the Super Bowl year even. So, Well, the Super Bowl year, Flacco was, was very uh, weak. Um, no, it was good at the Super Bowl year. Not down the stretch. I wouldn't say down the stretch. I mean, the well, no, the, the defense was hurt. You had yeah. Webb and Ray Lewis go right, down. Right, right, right. Um, I don't know who you have at a punter, but my punter is Shane Letcher. So I, I thought you were going to pick Leckler. Uh, it's Leckler. Leckler. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, Leckler. I thought I thought you were going to pick him. I mean, I didn't pick a punter, but that I mean, yeah, he's he's, he's the punts, well him him or I I mean I might I might say Sammy Ball. It's just only my number one reason is because he's first in yards per punt, and I'm like, you know what? That's that's a good enough reason. <laughs> no, but sometimes you don't want to kick it so far because of like yeah, uh, you know, you want to pin true, them. True, but if your offense is really that bad, that you are punting far. <laughs> Right. Yeah, but if your offense isn't bad, doesn't mean that. So, you, so then you know. Sam Cook is brought to the table because he's he's just pin. He, like, oh, Sam Cook was great. I I went time was uh, at the Ravens training camp and um and he was doing. They were trying to do the the team was trying the special team was trying to pin the ball, but he would kick it and the ball would roll and it stopped at the one. But the goal was for the team to stop the ball before the, the end zone. So he, they brought it back and they ran it again. He's like, all right, I'll kick it farther, but it bounced and it landed at the two. And they're like, so they had to bring in like I think Tucker kicked one, and like he didn't do, and then his but his one like sideways, and then they brought in the backup. And I'm like, I right, just kick him. But it was like the whole. I remember the whole place being like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Sam Cook was, uh, he was very good. Yes, but I mean, for me, I mean, I understand Leckler certainly, but Sammy Baugh was a punter and a quarterback at the same for time. Sure. I don't know. It's between him and Leckler. I, I didn't actually pick a punter, so okay. that's uh um before we change to the MLB, I just wanna say that the reason that a common pick might be Brady or Peyton Manning, for example, depending on where you fall in that debate, is because you have two people that are able to be so closely debated, and even some people might say Joe Montana as well. Some people will throw in people like Aaron Rodgers and stuff, but for the most part, you have three quarterbacks that are in the debate, and I just didn't think that there were enough people in the debate at other positions. So that's why I picked, like, Deion Sanders, for example. I don't think that there are three cornerbacks that you can argue that are better than Deion Sanders. So now we're going to go into baseball. Okay. Uh, you want to start with the greatest hitter? The greatest hitter? I mean, I think it, it's... Uh, I think Ty Cobb, in my opinion, was the best hitter. I think, I mean, obviously there's many... Uh, I mean, baseball's been on for so many years. There's so many honorable mentions. That can, the history of baseball is probably one of the most beautiful histories across all sports. There's And baseball, the tradition of baseball has pretty much been the same since day one, right? Like in basketball, they added things. And in football, they, they move things around. Baseball's pretty much... And every stadium being unique, it's still been the same game. Yes, they added rules now, a clock here, but what what that doesn't change the traditional sport has pretty much been the same. Um, so yes, there'll always be honorable mentions, but he I mean that what he was three sixty seven over his career, however you want to put it, right? Whether this that, four thousand plus hits, almost two thousand RBIs. Um, I mean like I said, I have someone that's even better, like overall can just do better. Yeah, there's, there's probably who you probably are going to pick, so I'm going to let you rule that one out. Well, so I actually had 
Ty Cobb is an honorable mention in my in my most efficient hitter. Okay. Um, which I I had Ted Williams over him in efficiency only because they were very close. But Ted Williams, because of the World War II and the Korean War, he played forty three games over a five year period, and not five years straight. Three years he didn't play any games. And then one year he played like 39 games, and then the next year he played seven games, and then he was in Korea. So he, he like came back and left in the same season and stuff like that. So I would just tend to say that Ty Cobb's numbers were, were very good, obviously, but I think that if Ted Williams would have been able to finish like play his entire prime, I think that certainly he could have made up in hits – and I think his power was just a little bit better. But who I put as the greatest hitter, um, greatest overall player, I put even. I have him as the greatest overall. I have him. Is Babe Ruth. I mean, the guy was, in my opinion, not, not, the, not the most efficient, but the greatest hitter. The man had over an 1,100 OPS. He had the number one amount of home runs for many years. And it was during the dead ball era. He was on top of that. He was a very good pitcher. And they didn't want him to pitch so much because of how good he was at batting. So they stopped him from being a pitcher. I mean, and not only that, he did it on like 10 hot dogs before the game. Yeah. I mean, the guy was drunk on beer. He had on like, he's like, he's like Nicole Jokic, right? He's like, he's like, oh, I want to do what I really want to do, which is go and eat hot dogs and drink some beer, you know, or like, yeah, you know, like go to the track and watch, yeah, you know? And he's like, he's like, that's a side job. I lead that in the MLB and home runs, you know? Um, I, the, the best line that Big Booth ever said, whether it's true or not, they always say these are, who knows if they're true, but. The best line that they say ever said was that if he tried to hit singles every time he got up to bat, he'd bat he'd be batting plus six hundred. He could maybe even more. Yeah. It's like, but you can't just go for singles. Yeah. It's not. It's you know. Especially when you have that type of power. Correct. So so he you know and I, I believe it. If he was going for yeah. singles every time, he would just be be be. Yeah. I mean, he'd probably be hitting closer to seven hundred, maybe even. Um, he was that good. I mean, I wrote in my notes, but you know, the best overall baseball player is Babe Ruth, and he, as as you said, he just he did everything. Yeah. And he was. And you know what? What do they say? They say the most, uh, the hardest thing to do in sports is hit a baseball. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's it's. I mean, both. You know, there are there are a few things that are there, and that's certainly one of them. And I don't know if this is really true or not, but this is obviously a well known sports thing. If it is true, him calling his shot, yeah, is the most ridiculous thing, probably in sports history. Like. Aiming where he was going to do it, and then he hit it there. I mean, on a professional baseball player, it wasn't a home run derby. It was in a game. Yes, but like if you watch today's games, you have guys like Bryce Harper who have literally they come up to bat, and the whole stadium knows it. And I'm you're watching from home, and you're watching Bryce Harper come up. It's early in the playoffs. Yeah, he struggled a little bit down the stretch. That's why they didn't get to the World Series, but. He came up to play, and you're like, it's, it's a home run. There's no chance. The pitcher has no chance. I mean, they should walk him. It was a home, and, and on the first pitch, it wasn't like he waited. Um, and, like, he looks out there, and he's, he knows it. The stadium knows it. The pitcher knows it. And first pitch, gone. He doesn't point it. He doesn't point. But he knows exactly where he was hitting the ball. I mean, obviously, Bryce Harper is a very good player. Yes. This um, is over. Yeah, I mean, very, very good. But... 
I still wouldn't say that he has the the level of of precision and overall power and command of the ball as a guy like Babe Ruth. I mean, Babe Ruth, I think in a hundred years from now, we can still be talking about him and he's already basically, you know, he, he played almost a hundred years ago. I mean, he started over a hundred years ago, but he, you know, his career ended almost a hundred years ago at this point. Um, I mean, for someone th- in, in what other sport are we talking about players who played a hundred years ago as being one of the best? Like the guy who created basketball. Yeah, we don't talk about. We him. don't talk about him like that. Right. I mean, obviously he was great. He created the game, but I think I, think I mean, there's only one sport where it's unanimous on the, on who the the goat is. I mean, hockey. I think every almost every person across so, the board will agree that Gretzky. I. I would say, but I have heard people argue for how. Right, okay. And I have heard people argue, Capitals fans, for Ovechkin. Okay, but that's Capitals fans. Even I'm a Capitals fan, and until he breaks his record, there's no argument. And when he does break his record? He can sit down at the table and talk. Okay, so I'm saying, so you're that Capitals fan, which is fine. Because he is going to break it. He might, and then, then we can sit down and talk. Will he still be like I said? Will he consider be considered? Let's see what else is going. On. I mean, Ovechkin and Howe are in my are in my honorable mentions in hockey. Right, but I, does he win? I mean, he did. D- does he win another one? Does he? What if he does? Then it's, then, and he breaks the record, and we can sit down the table and have the discussion of is he in the is he the greatest of all time? But right now, I think across the board, I think I think in sports that we discussed tonight, there are going to be some more undisputed. Okay, let's find out. All right, I think I think maybe, but we'll see. I think the okay. Ready for my picture? Uh, well, one second. My my honorable mention. Yeah. For Babe Ruth. Oh, yeah. Well, I do, and his career was uh was hindered by injury a lot, but Ken Griffey. Yeah. Okay. Was so good at offense, base running, and defense. I mean, he did everything, and if he didn't get injured, he is. To me, a top three what if in all of sports. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Along and with his teammate Ichiro, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, if he would have started his career at twenty, he would have yeah. had like four thousand hits and yeah. five thousand hits or something, and a million steals and all this stuff. I mean, Babe Ruth officially, I guess you can say, is my honorable mention. I didn't, you know, if he's not, but um, okay, I definitely agree with you on that. With, with King Griffey, it's it's one, it's the biggest, probably the biggest what if. Yeah. Um. My best pitcher of all time is Walter Johnson. Oh, okay, I see. Um, yeah, I mean, third in innings pitch, second in wins, fourth in complete, four, fourth in like complete games, first in shutouts, eighth in ERA, seventh in in, in WHIP, third in WAR. I mean, how many other stats do I have to name? Yeah. he's just he's just up there. And there's I no mean, one else that's like. And you're not even. You're not even. Course. You're not even like. And you're I'm not, not, you're not even. Yeah. I mean, the guy. The guy pitched complete games on three days rest. Correct. Oh, I'm and, not even. And and he threw in the nineties, in the nineteen twenties. Correct. Like the guy was a was a was a nineteen nineties two thousands pitcher, pitching on three days rest, and. Complete games. I mean, he was insane. I, I have a couple honorable mentions on this one because it's just not even fair. So, well, so I didn't bring any honorable mentions with me for pitching because I believe that there's so many guys that you can just really like talk about forever. Like I said, because there's a hundred plus years of history. 
So I was like, I'm going to write one guy down. And I knew that Morty was going to have the same, um, you know, mention as I was. Same guys. I was like, and I'm going to just let Morty's honorable mentions be the honorable mentions because you probably know a little bit deeper into the pictures than I do. But I know that Walter Johnson is the best. That yeah. was undisputed. Yep. I mean, that's, Walter Johnson. Yeah, yeah. that's an undisputed. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. If, if someone wants to argue, go for it. But, but Well, I think, I think that you can argue the two honorable mentions that I have. But I wouldn't make that argument. Um, because, because of what I said about, about the three days rest and stuff like that. But one of my honorable mentions happened to pitch in a steroid era and he stopped the greatest dynasty in maybe sports history, maybe behind the Boston Celtics in the sixties. But Randy Johnson beat the Yankees in game two, game six, and came in relief in Game 7. And that's not even talking about how well he threw the baseball in Seattle and all that. But his Diamondback days, the Yankees just didn't lose. They went out and bought the best players, and they just didn't lose. And Randy Johnson, he made a fool of them. In Game 6, the Yankees lost 15-2. to 15-2 to in Game 6. A team that never lost. 15 to 2 they lost. Randy Johnson was just no. crazy. And my other guy is like he just is the greatest playoff pitcher of all time and there's no question about that. And uh happens to be good that we, you know, started this podcast about Israel, but Sandy Koufax. Yes. I mean, that guy was he just he was the best of the best in the playoffs. He was I mean, He's the Michael Jordan of pitchers. Yes. I mean, the guy just won. He was clutch. And then one year even, he he had to switch around his World Series games because one of them fell on Yom Kippur. And he pitched game five and game seven. I mean, Sandy Koufax is unreal. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sandy Koufax for sure is, would be an honorable mention of mine. Um, Randy Johnson, now that the Diamondbacks are in the World Series this year, Randy Johnson, when he – Pitched in that year, he hit a bird early in the season. They went on. To it was the preseason, I think. It was the, the, the exhibition. The Diamondbacks this year, a pitcher hit a bird. Oh, <laughs> are we going to see them repeat? <laughs> just, just that we might have Did the bird die? Because, because on Randy Johnson's that bird, bird like it, it, bird it got incinerated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I saw was, some flames on that ball. <laughs> <laughs> That was one of the greatest, like, yeah. sports. Moments. I felt bad for him, to it be honest. It was one of his biggest, it was probably, at the time, like, the biggest sports. Woo. Yeah. Like, it was just. Yeah, that shocked everyone. And it, I don't even, they call it a ball. I guess they just call it a ball. No, they, 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 they redid it. They redid it. Oh, yeah. that's nice, that's nice. It's animal interference. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was exhibition, so I don't know if they, what they did, but, uh, but, I mean. Yes. You know, what do they do if they kick a punt and doubt uh, Cowboys, uh, at the Cowboys stadium and it hits the jumbo drive? By the way, every time it happens, <clears> the Cowboys <throat> should be fined like $100,000. <laughs> it's just because you made a failed stadium. Yeah. Your stadium, you failed. Yeah, that was terribly done. I don't know what they were thinking. Um, okay, so I want to jump into boxing. Okay. Big boxing match tonight. I want to talk about boxing. And I... I'm going to let you go first. I don't know if you ended up choosing different weight classes or anything okay. like that. But what we're going to do is we're going to list our top three boxers, and you can list an honorable mention if you want to. So I, I have three no honorable mentions. Um, 
So for me personally, it's Mike Tyson. Now, it does everything. It was just the fact that when Mike Tyson was in his prime, there was nothing more exciting than Mike Tyson's prime. When Mike Tyson got in the ring, the world wanted to watch Mike Tyson fight. Mike Tyson was exciting. His, pro- his, pre- his press conferences were exciting. The, his life was exciting. The whole, I mean, he didn't have the same impact as he, he was in. Said. He was in jail in the in his, some of his prime part of it. And and then you, yes, well, he didn't have the same impact. Let's say in the world as like Ali. Ali had a huge impact, which obviously is my number two. Ali is my number two. Just the numbers speak for itself. He was just a powerful human. So <clears> so Ali is my number two. And my third, which you're gonna hate me for. Is Floyd Mayweather. Oh my because god. At the end of the day, the reason why I put him there, I didn't want to use another Mr. Heckler. Chicken? No. I want to explain to you why. In my opinion, I didn't want to put another I didn't want to put a heavyweight or someone heavy. I wanted to find someone that was a little lighter for this number three spot. So uh, can I name a um, hundred other boxers that are heavier, bigger, better, faster, stronger? Yes. Well but, wait, the theory is though, if he's lighter, he should be faster. Well hold on. I was talking about at bigger at their weights, but hold on. At the end of the day, 50 and 0 is 50 and 0. Whether you like it or not, the guy, it didn't matter. Yes, yeah, sometimes you agree. fight them in, in their, at the garbage times. Yes, should he have, re- should he have given Can- Canelo a rematch? Yeah, Canelo would have crushed him the second time. And what if he would have fought, fought Pacquiao Pac- when he was in the. Yeah, yeah come he on. probably would have lost. But the bottom line is, he never lost. And that's why, to me, he's number three. Okay, so here's, here's my problem with it. Um, it's not baseball or football where you play a certain amount of games a year and the NFL or MLB makes your schedule. You're the boxer. You pick your schedule. If you're afraid of someone, you cannot be the best. I mean, it's boxing. If you're scared of someone, and and honestly, I think that I think that there's a much better guy who was 49 and 0. A much better guy. The greatest boxer of all time, in fact. His name is Rocky Marciano. The guy got knocked down twice in 49 fights. The first one was in the title fight. I mean, this first time getting knocked down was in a title fight. And he's gotten knocked down so few times in his career. 43 of his fights ended in a KO. The guy was 49-0 with 43 KOs. And the way the weight classes were made there was much bigger distances in weights. So he fought someone who was 71 pounds more than him and he still beat him. And he fought people who are 20 pounds more than him six times in his career and he beat them all. So to me, that is the greatest boxer of all time. My second greatest boxer is George Foreman. The only guy who Ali was ever scared of and don't, don't act like he wasn't scared. We all know he was scared. If Joe Frazier didn't give Ali a second fight, where's Ali's career? In the toilet. Doesn't happen. Joe Frazier gave him a rematch, and Frazier lost, and then he fought in fight three. Frazier Where was George Frazier Foreman's rematch? Some say Frazier cheated the first time. I'm not sure how. But... Some some say a lot of things. I mean, I, I've – I did Ali ever say it even? He thought he did. I, I think there's a video of him – at one point, saying because he was saying that his did boxing ever see. come out and say it? I don't know. I, I don't have the research on that right now. I I mean I'm just look me. I mean Ali was clearly the better fighter in the end of his career, like throughout his career. But I'm just saying if Frazier doesn't give him a rematch, Ali's career goes nowhere. 
Um, well, I mean, not nowhere, obviously, but I'm saying it wouldn't have the same. It wouldn't have the same gravitas because he never would have beaten Fraser, and he never allowed Foreman a rematch, and he never allowed Foreman a rematch because Foreman was the hardest hitter in boxing history, and he was scared. He never got hit that hard. That's the truth. He got hit hard, but he never got hit as hard as George Foreman's punches were. So now that we that we, we talked about boxing and the big boxing match that was tonight in Francis Ngannou. Well, one second, one second. Wait, I want to just, I want to just finish the list. Hitter, though, yeah. Speaking of hardest hitters, if he continues his boxing career, that is your new hardest hitter. The guy who just who just yeah. okay. I hear that. I mean, we'll we'll. I mean, you know, we can't base the greatest off of what didn't happen yet. You yeah. know. Um, my third is a lot of people's obvious number one choice, not mine, obviously. Um, I still think he was very great is Muhammad Ali. I mean, the guy toyed with most people. The only person he wasn't able to toy with really was George Foreman. George Foreman still got toyed with in the thing. He as he always said, he was the rope and I was the dope. You know, he, uh, he definitely got toyed with in that fight. I just think that, you know, he would have had the upper hand knowing how – yeah. Um, and my honorable mention, I mean, you can't talk about boxing and not talk about Mike Tyson. Yeah, obviously. I mean, um, obviously he was not your number one. He's not my number one. Um, I mean, I heard I heard him say that he thinks Ali would have beat him, and I, I tend to agree with that. But I, I could see him beating Ali. I could see him beating Foreman. He's the only guy who's really in the conversation right now for strongest punch with George Foreman, um, you know, and uh, and Rocky Marciano, you just have to respect the history. Uh, you know, the guy, you know, just did insane. It might not be a bo- bo- the boxing that we know of might not have been boxing that we know if not for Rocky. Yep, exactly. Um, now I want to jump to MMA, if that's okay. Okay, I I didn't. Okay, we could do MMA. Oh, I mean, okay. I have, I have a list. I didn't do much research, but I have my list of MMA. So, okay. So this is, I'm just going to say my, my, my three people. I think that, I think that no one, I don't think, I think you can argue about the order of these three, but I don't think anyone else is in the conversation with them. Okay. And number three, I have GSP. Okay. I mean, the guy dominated his class. Went up weight, down weight. I mean, the guy was just an animal. But two and one, you can really flip back and forth. I I give an edge to someone, obviously, because I have to. Um, so number two, I would say Roy Jones. And number one is the guy who didn't take steroids when the UFC was all taking steroids. And in a dad bod... He never lost in his prime. Fedor Emelianenko was so good. Like, you watch him fight and you're like, wow, that guy's a fighter. He like, you know, he looks like the type of guy to chug a beer, go fight a grizzly bear, and you know, just <laughs> you know. Uh, I get it. I hear. Um okay, so I, I agree that number three for me is GS GSD. There's there's he was just didn't matter who it was, he was ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, my number two, I want to say my number two, I, I've been debating, so I want to say it's like, because I really want to say Daniel Cormier, because at the end of the day, I believe that 
anyone that he could have, because of his wrestling skills, yeah, and the fact that he could have gone toe to toe with anyone on his feet. Now, there there have been guys who are stronger than him. I think they're guys that may have been better wrestlers than, but the combo at the heavyweight at the heavyweight, I think what he is number two, and I think number one in my books is John Jones. I think John Jones. He, he just now... Oh, I said Roy Jones. I meant John, John Jones. Okay. Yeah. So John Jones, in my opinion, is number one because he was in light heavyweight and, and DC came down to fight him twice. He never went up to fight DC at heavyweight because he was... You could say he was scared to go and get a little heavier. Yeah. But, he, but there have been guys now who have beaten DC who now he went up. Now he has gone up and he has now beaten, up, he has beaten a guy like that well, sometimes you match up better against Correct. certain people. Correct. So, now, but he destroyed, he destroyed DC the two times they fought. Now, there's cocaine involved, probably, yes. And there's probably some other things that were involved, yes. But I think still till today, I mean, he just tore his, his shoulder. But I think that in any fight against any human being, John Jones, he is so long, beats anyone. Okay. I mean, like I said, I think that him and Fedor can be yes. can be swapped back and forth. I I just picked Fedor because of I, I so many you know, yeah, I, but um, both of them I think we agree. Um, so let's go to soccer. I'll start because this was this was quite hard for me to do, but I have Messi at one. I have Ronaldo at two, who was one of my favorite players in his entire career. Um, the guy who got me into soccer, um, was Kaká on Brazil. And when he played for Madrid and Ronaldo was the best player on Madrid at that point. Um, I obviously, I thought that for a while that Ronaldo was better and I do think he was better. I don't think that I'm, it's not like I'm saying, Oh, I was wrong then. I think he was better then, but I think that the one thing Messi had to do was to win on the world level. And when he did win in the World Cup, I think he does get number one. And it's also hard because I, I typically like older players better. Um, and I obviously have I have Marindon and Pele. I have Pele at my three and Marindon as my honorable, as my honorable mention. Um, but when Messi won the World Cup, I mean, that was it. I mean, there, there's almost almost nothing else to discuss with me, and I, it's with a heavy heart, but it is. I do have to admit it. Okay, um, so the shocking thing I think that we just we have the same list. Exactly. I have Messi one. I have Ronaldo two. And I have Pele three, and I have Maradona as my. I said you can't. I really wrote Maradona was, is in the conversation, and if you don't mention him, you can't talk yeah. soccer. Yeah. That's that's in my notes. Like, yeah. So. Now, the reason why is, I mean, everything Messi does, he's just, it's gold. He t- yeah. Everything Messi has touched in his career. Ronaldo, to me, is almost, we haven't talked about the NBA, but he's like Michael Jordan, where he's worked so hard that he's just yeah. that guy. Yeah. And then, he's an incredible striker. Correct. And then Pele, he just was, he was a winner. He was gifted. He was, and he won the World <clears throat> Cup at 17 years old. He won three World Cups for Brazil. The only reason why he's not one or two is he never really went to, like, the, the big team. They didn't, it wasn't like the right him saying. He just kind of was yeah. on Santos and they just kind of traveled and they played teams. And I mean, it was very exciting and he was very gifted and very talented. And when the World Cup showed up, he was there. Yeah. But 
he didn't go on to win, you know, a Premier League or the the Liga or yeah, um, any of the big five. So yeah. he never did more than that. But his you can't talk about not talk about Pele, and you can't not talk about yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they were. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. Guy, now, now the issue is with soccer is that if you go deep into the history of soccer. There are so many players that you can find, so many people that you can find deep in the game of soccer that you can find. That. Yeah, I mean, soccer is a very old game, and correct. So, so, but, but we can only do that. with what we have recorded of, you know, correct. which is great in topic because the next sport, my number one, has a lot of non, a lot of stuff was not recorded, unfortunately. Although there were people who were there. But we're going to talk about the NBA next. Okay. And since I, I said that I'm going to let you give your list, but I'm, I'm going to clear all doubt, the number one player that I have is the greatest, one of the greatest athletes to ever live, the most dominant player in any sport history by far, the only person in any sport that the argument against how good he was was look how good his numbers are, they can't be real. Or it has to be the level of competition, despite the fact that Bill Russell won 11 times. Wilt Chamberlain is the greatest basketball player. He might even be better than number two and three combined in my eyes. Wilt Chamberlain is... I mean, the guy was so much bigger and stronger than anyone ever. Not... Not then, ever. The guy was allegedly the same size as Shaq. He was a little bit skinnier, but he was much stronger. Much stronger. And they were allegedly both 7-1. Well, there was a game, like a 1998 All-Star game or something like that, where Wilt Chamberlain was out there like with the refs, and he went to shake Shaq's hand, and he looked a head taller than Shaq. And he was like 50-something. And at, like at, in his prime, he, he bench-pressed 500 pounds, and when he was 65, he bench-pressed 465. At 65 years old. I mean, and that was Wall on the side. He was doing all that stuff with allegedly 20,000 women. Now, I don't know if that's... I don't know if that part is real. But that's what he says. But the basketball stuff we do know is real. The guy scored 100 points in a game. The guy had video game numbers. The guy had over 50 points per game in a season. Yeah. He was the greatest rebounder ever by far. And not only that... You can hear from other player accounts, not not people who, who read a stat sheet. Read from other player accounts. They say he never went so hard to the basket because he didn't want to break the defender's hands. So a lot of his shots weren't even dunking over people. They were turnaround fadeaways. Steph Curry said it's a good thing there was no three ball then because no one would know who I was today. I mean, like, you know, like, Wilt Chamberlain was so good. And on top of that, he was the decathlon champion. He didn't even play his whole prime in the NBA. He he was a um, he was a volleyball champion. He was a Harlem Globetrotter. And when he got older and decided, you know, now that he has some teammates on, on Los Angeles, he was going to pass. As a center, he led the league in assists. And one time, people are like, oh, he can't score anymore. Next game, he dropped 50 points. I mean, let me go through my list because this connects. And then you, you go through your list. And the reason it connects is because, let me just start off. I have Michael Jordan at three. And 
I think he can be argued for two, certainly. But I think that Michael Jordan has the worst GOAT argument in all sports ever. The Michael Jordan argument relies on you to believe that the 1990s is the peak of athleticism ever, right? He'll have the only, you can't argue stats and impact over Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt Chamberlain just put up better numbers. Mm-hmm. So the only argument to make is, oh, the plumbers and milkmen argument that they like to make. Okay, then Damian Lillard's better than Michael Jordan. We all know that players today are more athletic. Yes, is the league softer? Yes. Are a lot of players, would they not be capable of playing today? Sure. Would a lot of players not see a lot of playing time today from then? Yeah. So that cannot be the defining factor. But what you can't say is someone who had the most impact on the court as a single player, I don't see how you can argue that Michael Jordan is better than him. And my number two, I think he would have been insane in any era. And this is Larry Bird. A guy who is known for his shooting where the first three-point shot he ever took was in the NBA. He didn't grow up in middle school and high school practicing threes. The three-pointer wasn't a universal rule in the NBA until 1986. So Larry Bird was already in the NBA when they came out with threes. And the guy won a three-point competition in his sweats. He had a left-handed game where he dominated the other team. He said, oh, yeah, I'm saving my right hand for a good team. <laughs> you knew exactly what he was going to do. He wasn't a guy who who played, you know, who played slick. He's like, this is what I'm going to do. And then he'd do it. And you couldn't stop him. He just did it. I mean, he's undefeated against Michael Jordan in the playoffs. Undefeated against Michael Jordan in the playoffs. Who else is that? No one. Yeah. I mean, the only other team to regularly beat them was Detroit. And then he beat them. Larry Bird never lost to him. Not once. I mean, to me, Larry Bird, different level. My honorable mention, which I assume you probably are not surprised by this, but Shaq. The man is the most dominant player since Will Chamberlain. And as far as impact for a championship is the most dominant. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anything more else to say about him. He just, I mean, if you watched him play, you know. So, so uh, yes, um, uh, but your list is. Uh, I can't argue your list. <laughs> there's not much argument to that list. We're very similar. Um, okay. But uh, I- I'll start like this. So my number one player is Shaq. Okay. I'll tell you why. My former number one. Correct. And I'll tell you why. <clears throat> I think he's the only player where stats don't matter. And the fact is where his prime or his game or his dominance is dominance. The fact that when he played, when he was good, it was unstoppable. Will Chamberlain may have been better, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. All right. I so, mean, why? So. Will Chamberlain's definitely on my list. Here's, here's what Kat, here's what Coach Katz told me about that. What is the greatest attribute to Shaq's game. It's his strength. What was stronger? Correct. So. But it's also the fact, I feel like. Who is a better free throw shooter? Will, but every, Will, that's what I'm saying. So wait, wait. So you're going here through stats, right? And that's what I'm trying to I'm say. Saying, where what did Shaq do better? 
you could say, oh, they dominance and he dominated better. But, but he didn't dominate better. Wilt had 50 no, points a game. Wilt dominated better. Yeah. Right. So, so, but, right. so it does, it's like I'm trying to figure out a way to say how it doesn't really matter how you look at it. Like, it was just so exciting. I, like, you don't have to 100 know. So, so wait, But you can't count that not, against a good player. Wait, I'm, not, I'm not kicking that against him. That's why he's still on the list. But, like, when you watched Shaq play, it was like, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I, like... I, I was almost sort of a Lakers fan when when it started, right. you know, like I like I wasn't. I mean, I was a Heat fan, but Shaq, you had to love watching Shaq and Kobe, obviously. Right. But like, you had to love watching Shaq, and then well, he came to Miami, obviously, and okay. that was, I mean, incredible uh, so for me. So my number two player is Jordan. Okay, because, I mean, can't argue with that. When you go into when you start looking into band stats and things like win share, um, like how how much responsible they are for their team's wins, um, true efficiencies. Value over replacement, like random advanced stats that you start looking at, and you're like, "Oh, this guy's literally one two, one two, one two. Like, and you couldn't so, like they, they didn't replace Jordan. Jordan was never really replaced when it came to the Bulls. But no one replaced Will either. Well, it's on that list too. Of of of. of but why is Jordan? Like, what I'm saying is, why like, is Jordan above the, Will? The, the, the number one value for replacement player in NBA history is LeBron James, right? Because obviously, when he left Cleveland. Garbage. Well, yeah, he left Miami. I mean, they weren't bad, but like that was really just a, it was just a bad time for the team, as you can say. Yeah, I mean, right? Wade Wade was hurt. Wade, and right. so I'm saying Bosh right. had the heart problem. Right. So I'm saying it was a bad time for the team, but like they never. You could so never one could look at that as running away. Correct. So, but possibly then number two on that list would be is Jordan, and number three actually was John Stockton, right? And then it follows by like guys like Wilt, and then like Shaq, I think, is somewhere along that line. But so that's why I was like, to me, Jordan. I mean, like, every okay. stat you want to look at. Right, and then my number three was Will. I mean, you kind of spoke on him. I don't really have to go deeper into that. I mean, every stat you, like I said, you just looked yeah. at. He was three. He was one through five in every stat ever. <laughs> like, yeah, that's just who Will was. You know, he had a forty-inch vertical, and he goes seven to one. That's crazy. I mean, so and then I'm, I, there's one thing though that you mentioned, Kobe. To, in my eyes, and people will forever hate me for this. He might be the most overrated. I knew you were going to say that. in NBA history. Come on. I mean, he's he's overrated by a lot of people because he's he should not be in the conversation for number one. That, I, but I can, you can but but Kobe. here's the thing: he's clearly a top ten player. Okay. And so I mean, but I hear people have him in the one, two, three, four, and like come uh, on, some guys. people do, most people don't. Okay. Kobe I mean, fans do. All the analysts and these ESPNs and all these people, if you go look at their list, it's like Jordan, Kobe. What are we talking? Like what, what, how does that even in the conversation? Because so, because Jordan and Kobe were were very close together, and correct. and that was like the replacement almost. Yeah, and one could argue that he was more talented and a harder worker than Jordan. He just Probably didn't have right. the same level of success because he couldn't get along with the other player on his team um, at the time. And I mean, if Kobe and Shaq stayed together, but even when I he mean, was Shaq, the efficiency, like he he chucked the ball a lot. Like it's not he doesn't he didn't take. High percentage shots. You take when the three, when there's three guys on you. I don't care how good you are. You're not. You don't shoot the ball. Well, so here's the question: If there's three guys on you, and you're down three, you need a three point shot. We're talking about in the second quarter. He was doing. This. But one second, who will, who would you want most in the world to take that shot? An open player. No, but what if there aren't open people? You're talking about three guys are on you. There's two other guys in the corner. But I'm well. But how is someone not open anywhere? Because is that not a three? You need a three ball. Let's say you need a three. I mean, he was doing. We're talking about times when he was doing this in the paint. Three guys coming in on him, and like he could have dumped it off. The I mean, ball. he he did he did a lot of times try to shoot his way out and stuff yeah, like that. Correct, and he, he and he won he won 
finals with with Shaq. Then it took him to the Apalgasol. It wasn't always he always knew that guy that yes, because now somebody else kind of does work for him. Where he needs efficient players. Palgasol was efficient, Shaq yeah. was efficient. Well Shaq was the better player when they were when I'm they saying, were winning. Obviously I'm saying he needed efficient players. He needed like Sasha Vujicic to make free throws for him to win the finals. Okay. I'm saying it's better than needing a superstar. When when you're talking about uh-huh. greatness, I mean LeBron needed Ray Allen. Yes, you know, and and if he doesn't go to Miami, I don't even know if he ever wins a ring. To be honest, um, but yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I I yes, Kobe's overrated by some people, but I don't think most people think he's he's one or two. Um, those people who think that are certainly overrating him. I think the most overrated player in basketball history is James Harden. I don't even think that's close. The guy is... No, I don't think he's even rated. No, I mean, not not the greatest of all time or anything like that, but he's, uh, I mean, people act like he's, uh, you know, like a top five of this era and stuff like that, and he's just simply not. The, the one way I would say that Kobe is overrated is I think that Tim Duncan was a better player. Um, and, I mean... Tim Duncan was just a better player, in my opinion. Um, next, I want to talk about – I just want to mention tennis. Okay. I don't know if you have a list there, but I I do because because it's going to affect my overall GOAT list. Because okay, you have a few people who can represent the sport of tennis in this GOAT list. So I have some, a, a tennis player in my all time, in my top ten, my GOAT list. But I, I know that I mean, too, that's honestly just that's the number one tennis player of all time. Okay, so I hear that. Right, but I'll, I'll let you. Run so, mine. my honorable mention is Andre Agassi. I mean, the guy was incredible. He he played against some really great players. Um, McEnroe. He played in the beginning of Federer's career. He won at a at a great rate. He's not the best, but he is my honorable mention. My number three is Nadal. Nadal. Had some injury problems, so who knows what would have happened. But very great player. I just don't think he's as good as my top two, um, which my number two. And this I have a little bit of bias maybe, but I I think I have a very good reason for putting him at number one. My number two is Djokovic, and my number one is Federer. And the reason that Federer – the reason I give Federer the edge over Djokovic is because Federer – played so many more legends than Djokovic did. And Djokovic was playing an old Federer a lot of his career. Federer played Djokovic, played Nadal, played Agassi, played Murray, played Roddick, played Isner. Mm -hmm. Djokovic just doesn't have that type of resume. He has more wins, yeah, because he played not as good people. Um, And Federer still is number two in wins, and he played a much higher level of competition. Um despite them playing in a very similar time. Um, so that is my list. Yeah, Roger Federer is my number one tennis player all time. So okay. Not, yeah. All right, sounds good. Um, hockey, I don't actually have a top three. I only have one. Um, I, said Wayne I, have, I have Wayne Gretzky and I have my honorable mentions, which are Howe and Ovechkin. Right. I think that they are honorable mentions uh, in its most real form of the word. It is an honorable mention. They are not to be confused with them, with with Gretzky. Yeah. 
Kretzky is above them, but they are the second and third best players in all of This new kid, Bedard, I think he just learned that you can't just feel very quick and fast. You have to kind of have some, some <laughs> big muscles to play hockey. You do. Um, and I do have a women's one because she is in my top in my top list as well. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, women's tennis is really a different sport even. Um, I think that you cannot talk about women's tennis without talking about the obvious number one, Serena Williams. I mean, she is, I mean, her sister was the best player and she was much better than her sister. I mean, they, the family was just crazy gifted. I mean, and if they were men, they'd be the best men probably. Um, but yeah, they just weren't talk, gifted I mean, with that you genetics. You can't really talk about tennis and then not bring up the fact that women's tennis has Serena Williams. Yeah, I mean, and even Venus Williams, you can't even not talk about. But Correct. like, but she was the worst sister. Serena Williams was is the Wayne Gretzky of yeah of women's tennis. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, we talk about swimming. I, I think that's pretty straightforward. I mean, Michael Phelps. Um, I have Spitz as my honorable mention. Uh, Jew also. I just have Michael Phelps. I hear that. I mean, again, Spitz is an honorable mention because he's the second best swimmer, not because it's close, but he is the second best swimmer um, for running. And the only reason that I have running as a category here is because of my goat overall goat list. But I mean, obviously, it shouldn't come as a surprise. Usain Bolt, runner. I have an honorable mention, but again, second best runner, not really having to deal with anything. It is Usain Bolt. Yes. Agreed. My next thing, I have a I have a greatest athlete of all time category, and the reason that I have that is because I want to be very clear. This guy is the greatest athlete of modern sports, but as far as being dominant in the sport, was not the best player in the sport, and that is Deion Sanders. I mean – the guy played, in my opinion, the toughest sport in the world. He was one of the greatest defenders, if not the greatest. He was a good receiver. He was a very good special teamer. And all that while he was in uh, baseball during the same year. And he even suited up sometimes forty less than 40 hours apart. Yes. I mean, he is the greatest athlete of all time, in my opinion. But he is not. One of the goats of sports, in my opinion. So, yes, yeah, so I, I I put together a list. I think it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yes, yeah, ten people, top ten athletes of all time. Some of these guys, we spoke about some of them. We never spoke about, but I wonder if we did speak about them. Uh, no, there is one guy on here that we did not speak about. Okay. So, my number ten is Roger Federer. Okay. Just, his sport, like you mentioned. The number nine is Messi. Okay. Number eight was Babe Ruth. You, met, you mentioned him. Mm-hmm. Then I have Michael Phelps, Muhammad Ali. Wait, Phelps is seven? Yes. Okay. Yes. Muhammad Ali, Wayne Gretzky, Deion Sanders, and then here's one that I never mentioned, Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson was just a... Yeah, I mean, he was the greatest athlete, was, one of the greatest athletes. Correct, he just was athletic, like Deontay. But he wasn't He wasn't the greatest of a sport. No, but that's why, but he was just a freak, freak athlete. Okay, but if, if you're if you're, if you're picking the greatest sports player, what, what do you say? You can't say Bo Jackson, right? No, but that's what I'm saying, but the reason why I mentioned him here is I think that he overplayed himself. I think that he would have stuck to one sport, 
like Deion Sanders, also could have stuck twice for it. And eventually he did. And he did. But I'm saying if, if he would have he could have done the Deion Sanders, right? If he would have mentioned it, but yeah, Bo Jackson was just doing so much for and I think he overworked himself his yeah. year. Um and then I have um Usain Bolt as my number one athlete across the board. Okay. So I'm gonna start off with my honorable mention. Um I I just more I just ranked the the eleven guys that we um that we just spoke about tonight. My number one, my my honorable mention, I picked Fedor. I wanted to pick I would like to pick him higher. He was my favorite fighter. But the reality is there was a split in talent between Strike Force and UFC when he was fighting and he fought in Strike Force. So he just didn't get to fight the top level players all the time, the top level fighters. So that's why I have him as my honorable mention. My number 10 is Rocky Marciano. Uh, he was very good, but it's very easy to argue other people over him based on when he fought, based on the talent pool of fighters when he fought versus the later years. So I obviously think he's very good, but he is my number 10. My number 9 is Serena Williams. My number 8 is Federer. The only reason I have him over her is because, simply put, if they both played against each other in tennis, yeah. Roger Federer would win, obviously. So I don't think it makes much sense when they're both the GOATs to to sit here and say that Serena Williams is better than Roger Federer because she just isn't. He's a much better player. Um, and she would be the first one to tell you that. She did say that, in fact. She said that she is so happy that she is in women's tennis because, you know, because it's just too hard. My number seven, I have Babe Ruth. The reason I have Babe Ruth is because a lot of people will say the two hardest things to do in sports is to hit a ball and to pitch a ball. And Babe Ruth did both at an elite level. Um, and the only reason he ranks at seven is because of the amount of dominance that we have in baseball today that he wasn't a part of. So I, I do think the error counts a little bit there. Um, I obviously still think he's the go to baseball, but I just think that some people dominated a more competitive sport. Um, my number six is Jerry Rice. I mean, American football, in my opinion, requires more athleticism than any other sport. Overall athleticism, strength, between strength, speed, endurance, all that. Um, and he was incredibly dominant at a league that passes 50% less than today. And he still put up the best numbers. And he still had stats created because of him. So, to me, Jerry Rice, I mean, as good as it comes. But we're working with a much smaller playing pool, which is why my number five is Messi. Simply put, soccer is the most played sport in the world. And if I have him as my greatest soccer player, he has to be in my top five. Of all time, of all goats. My number four is Wilt, the most dominant player to ever play in a team sport. The man was a triathlon champion. He was a volleyball champion. He was the strongest player in NBA history while playing in the 60s. 
the only reason he didn't win more often was because he had other the other team, the Celtics, had eight Hall of Famers on the team. So Will Chamberlain, to me, is the most dominant player in team sports history, with the exception of maybe this next guy, and that is Wayne Gretzky, simply because there's not a close second in hockey. So, to me, that puts you in the top three. And the only reason that my number one and number two are above that is because they were the most dominant in individual sports, which means you can't question where they got the dominance from. If they, you know, with Michael Jordan, you could ask if he would have won without Scotty. With Kobe, you could ask if he would have won those championships without Shaq. In fact, it's almost certain that he won enough. No. But these guys relied on one person and one person only. And that is why Michael Phelps is the second greatest athlete, second greatest sports player of all time. He barely lost. He had the most medals and most golds in Olympic history. He has the most in a single Olympics. And it was an individual sport. It was all him. And even relays, he would come in and swim a relay at the same, like an hour after, he just won a swimming competition on an individual level. But number one is Usain Bolt. I mean, multiple distances, same day, different day, different hour, didn't matter. The guy went, he set world records in the 100 and then went over and set it in the 200 right after. I mean, Usain Bolt just didn't lose. To me, greatest sports player of all time. Athlete, greatest athlete. Yeah, well... My greatest athlete I have is Dion, only because of of what he did mm-hmm. in all of his sports. Um, with the honorable mention for that, I guess being Bo Jackson. But the greatest, the most accomplishing, the one who made his athleticism the greatest in the sport, in my opinion, Usain Bolt. All right, everyone, thank you for listening. We are Aaron Meister and Mordecai Graham of the Millennial Jew. Of course, thank you for being here. And hopefully we'll get some more podcasts done in the future on on sports and things like that. And that is a wrap.